Good morning. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of, the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, chapter 16, chapter 16, and verses 13 through the 18. 13 through the 18. Would you please stand in honor of God's word? When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do you people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say, others say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Pastor Muthoni Munala, for reading the scripture for us. Uh, but just when I thought that uh, there's nobody who can sing like Kavesu, Jerry comes on, on stage and she does just a fantastic time. Wow. You know, one of the joys of being part of a, of a, a local church is to be able to see um, people grow from uh, young kids and see them developing slowly by slowly and polishing their talent and then blessing the congregation. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your ministry uh, this morning. Thank you. Good morning, Mamlaka Ruaka. I bring, I bring you greetings from Mamlaka Hill, uh, uh, Mamlaka Hill Chapel City Campus. You received the, the greetings? So they also said that uh, to let you know, that their, their tent uh, is being now prepared in Eden. <laughs> and uh, soon it will not come via China, but it will come via Belgium, UK, into that place. So let's just keep praying for them as they keep trusting the Lord uh, for this because God himself is preparing their tent and all the speakers and uh, sound system in Eden. But... Uh, Reverend Sami Diga and Reverend Mwangi are truly grateful and the entire team for the last seven years that they have uh, worked with you from the sides as you have uh, continued to grow and mushroom and more than that to just bless the Lord. There is nothing as beautiful as coming to this church and being able to worship uh, with you. It's such a blessing. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Now, a couple of um, weeks ago, I... Um, received a call from one of our uh, pastors in the pastoral care uh, department. And uh, she told me that uh, one of the uh, families that attend Mamlaka Hill Chapel City campus uh, was coming to the church office. And uh, she said they were coming to give thanks to the Lord for the manner in which the church 
stood with them, walked with them, prayed with them, supported them uh, when their mother uh, passed away. When they arrived at uh, the church campus, uh, they were ushered into my uh, office and uh, we invited several pastoral staff and staff to come to the office. We gathered in that office and uh, they began to express their gratitude uh, to the staff and to the entire church for the manner in which uh, they were blessed by their local church. Uh, one of them, in conclusion, said, you know, I don't know how anyone can go through what we went through without the support of, uh, of a local church. We just don't know, or I just don't know how a person or a family can go through what we went through without the support of a local church. Now, I'm sure that uh, many of you who sit here today can be able to speak in the same way in terms of the experience that you have had in the past uh, when it came to a time of loss or challenges or difficulty, and a local church such as Mamlaka Hill Chapel came around you, rallied around you, and uh, walked with you during that uh, period of time. Perhaps many of you can uh, recall maybe one of our pastors here at Mamlaka Hill Chapel who took an interest in your spiritual growth. And they came around you, they rallied around you, walked you through scripture, and uh, helped you to deal perhaps with some spiritual challenges that you are experiencing. Maybe they led you to Christ, and for the very first time you began to relate with Jesus Christ as your personal uh, savior. Maybe some of you can recall a time when you were in your real group, in that small group that uh, uh, you meet with every week. And you recall that you are going through a time of loss, a time of uh, just all kinds of challenges that we experience in life. You shared that with your real group, and you recall how they rallied around you, laid their hands on you, prayed for you, and uh, even supported you materially. Perhaps some of you recall a time when you are having some challenges in your marriage uh, life, which is common to, to all marriages, and uh, you are struggling. And perhaps you gave a call to the church for some help, and uh, a mentoring couple was uh, chosen and connected to you. And you recall how they walked with you, how they blessed you, and today your marriage stands because of that uh, ministry that you received from this local body of Christ. I'm so sure that if I were to stop and open the floor and invited uh, people who are seated in here to come and testify how this church has been such a great shelter spiritually or even physically, many of you would stand and you would testify and would be here perhaps until tomorrow morning. Now, despite of all those warm feelings that we have towards the local church, not only Mamlaka Hill Chapel, but perhaps the church that you are uh, in the years uh, past. I want to say that we are living at a time when many, many Christians 
are treating the local church with great disdain and indifference. Many Christians are taking the local church for granted. Survey after survey that has been done among Christians has come up uh, with the conclusion that many, a number of growing uh, uh, Christians are, or rather view the local church attendance as an option. Their attendance, as far as church is concerned, is very sporadic. Many Christians view giving their tithes and offerings to the church as uh, something that is optional. And when they give, they give very, very minimal. Uh, quite a number of uh, uh, Christians around the world today uh, view giving their ministry and time to the church as uh, burdensome uh, and outdated. You know, when I was growing up, uh, I recall a number of uh, young people, just like I, who are very active in their local church, rather in this local church that we were a part of. And they served in different capacities, giving time, giving, uh, using their spiritual gifts to serve and to edify the local church. But uh, these days, I don't see them actively involved in church. I don't see them actively involved in, uh, in, in giving their spiritual gifts for the edification of the local church. And when I have asked some of them, some of them have told me, because they are about my age, they have told me, ah, you know, we used to do those things when we were young. Now we have left that for the new or rather the young generation uh, to do those kind of things. We don't do those kind of things anymore. All we do is just come, sit, and uh, observe what is happening uh, within the local church. There is a lot of indifference and lack of interest and commitment to the life and functioning of a local church among many Christians across our world today. How do we explain that kind of indifference that we are seeing uh, in the church around the world today? How, why do we see all this kind of uh, disdain among Christians towards the local church? This morning, I want to answer that question by giving you and giving all of us several ways in which you and I can be able to continue to maintain our zeal, our passion, our love, our commitment to the local church as it ought to be. And hopefully in helping us to see some of these ways that we can uh, maintain our zeal and passion for the local church, we'll be able to answer that question. And that there will be no time in your walk with the Lord as a Christian that you'll ever come to a place where you'll say, I am no longer going to do this because I am leaving this to the other individuals to do. Because once you are called by the Lord and placed in his body, God gives you a spiritual ability. 
And that spiritual ability is designed to continually help the local church to be all that God has designed uh, it uh, to be. Now, the first and foremost and foundational way that you and I can continue to be zealous and passionate and uh, committed and have a deep love for the local church as it ought to be is to have a right view of church ownership. To have the right understanding as to the central figure in a local church. You see, a lot of Christians have, ro- have lost the right view of uh, the true ownership of the church, or rather, the local church. It is not uncommon to uh, meet someone and you get into a conversation about church and for them to say to you, I go to so-and-so's church. I go to Apostle so-and-so's church, I go to Pastor so-and-so's church, or I go to Bishop so-and-so's church. We tend to look at the church as a business or an organization that belongs to a certain individual or a certain group of individuals within the church. Now, you see, when you and I remove the Lord Jesus Christ from his throne as the central figure within the body of Christ, soon or later, we are going to begin to lose our interest, our passion, our commitment to that local body of Christ. In the book of Matthew, chapter 16, the passage that uh, Pastor Modoni read uh, for us a few uh, minutes ago, Jesus raised a very fundamental question with his disciples. The answer or the discussion that went on in this conversation helps us to understand one of the very foundational principles in all Christianity. And that is, who sits on the throne as far as a church is concerned? Jesus was curious, not because he didn't know, but he wanted to know from his disciples, who do people say I am? When you go to the villages, when you go to uh, homes, when you go to the marketplace, what are you hearing people saying about me? And uh, the disciples had all kinds of answers. Some said there are quite a number of people, Jesus, who are saying that you are John the Baptist, come back to life. And there are some who are saying that you are Elijah the prophet. For those of you who do not know, Elijah, other than Moses, is considered one of the greatest prophets of all times. Some are even saying that you are Jeremiah, again, one of the great prophets of Israel. And then Jesus turned around to them again and said, now, that is what 
people in the villages, in the marketplace are saying about me. What are you saying I am? Who, I, who, 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 who am I? What do you think about me? Now, I don't know, because the passage doesn't tell us, if the other disciples had an opportunity to express themselves. But uh, the apostle Simon Peter considered the leader of the group, or perhaps one who was more talkative than the rest, uh, spoke and said to Jesus, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Then Jesus said something very interesting to Simon Peter. Simon Peter, what you have just said was not revealed to you by your brains. In other words, it wasn't revealed to you, revealed to you by uh, a human understanding. It did not come from a human perspective. What you have said, Simon Peter, has come directly from God himself. In other words, God planted that in your mind and in your heart. In other words, that I am the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus made a very interesting, powerful statement that followed that answer. He said to Peter and the rest of the team, on this rock, I will build my church. Now, on this rock, a lot of biblical scholars have always uh, struggled as to exactly what Christ meant. Some have concluded that he meant, on you, Peter, whose name uh, translated meant really the rock, I will build my church. But a careful study of this passage reveals that Jesus actually said on this statement that I am the Messiah, the son of the living God. On that statement, I will build my church. Now, I want you to notice in this passage of scripture, he says, I will build, followed by the words, my church. I will build my church. Now, the words, my church, are possessive, which simply means that the church belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the originator, and he is the sustainer of the church, even has represented in a local uh, setting which simply means that a church must never, you should never view a church as just an organization that uh, is held by someone or a certain group of people. In order for you to continue to have a zeal and passion and commitment for a very long time for the church, you and I need to understand that the church is a divine institution. It is God himself 
who has put it together and planted it somewhere so that God's people can be edified. You see, unless you and I understand that, chances are that five years from now, six years from now, you could be wandering somewhere else. In the book of uh, Timothy, chapter 3, verse 15, the Apostle Paul wrote a very interesting, or made a very interesting statement to his uh, mentee, Pastor Timothy. You see, the Apostle Paul had made a lot of uh, instructions in the book of Timothy, to Timothy. And as he came to almost a conclusion of what he was saying, in verse 15 he said, Timothy, or we could say Pastor Timothy, because Timothy was a young pastor, just like Maura here and, uh, and Lorraine. They were a young, uh, uh, they were pastors who were young. And you can imagine maybe Bishop Charles sitting with these two young pastors and saying to them, I am giving you these instructions so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves and then he says, in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. He identifies the church has a family that belongs to God, and then he says, which is his church. In order for you and I to continue to be passionate, which we need to, to continue to be uh, zealous, to continue to be heavily committed to the local church, which we ought to, we need to have a right view uh, of ownership. That Christ is the owner, that it's he that we honor, that he, it's he at the end of the day that you and I are accountable to. You are accountable to the Lord Jesus Christ. That it is he that you and I serve. When you hear someone say, I no longer serve, chances are that their focus on the rightful honor has been transferred somewhere, and because they have become disappointed because of the imperfection that we leaders have, they no longer desire to serve. But as long as your eyes are focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, as the one we honor, as the one we serve, my take is that you will be serving the Lord for a very long, long time. But there is a second way in which you and I can maintain our passion our commitment, our zeal for the local church as we ought to. And that is, you and I need to identify and commit our membership to a particular visible local body of Christ such as Mamlaka Hill Chapel. 
You see, except for a few instances in the New Testament, uh, where the New Testament talks about uh, believers becoming believers or believing in Jesus Christ and then God taking them and placing them in what we call the universal body of Christ, most of the time when the New Testament talks about the church, it is usually in reference to a physical, visible, local church. It is assumed in the New Testament that when a person becomes a Christian, when they give their lives to Christ, what happens is that God takes them and he places them in what we call the universal body of Christ. That's the church worldwide. But then the next natural assumption of the New Testament is that uh, that individual, that is you and I, who have been placed in the universal body of Christ, are going now to identify and commit our membership to a particular physical, local body has members like Mamlaka Hill Chapel. You see, in the uh, New Testament, because a lot of people in our day are asking this question, must I be a member of a local church in order for me to be a good Christian? See, I can just be a good Christian and uh, float around. Uh, choose today, I'll go to this congregation there. Now, I'm not talking about those who are visiting, but, uh, you know, just decide that today I will worship here. Uh, uh, today I will, depending on how the Spirit of the Lord leads me, I will give my tithes here or give my tithes there. Uh, or this season, maybe this season of the th three months, I'm going to uh, serve in this church, and then after that I will go uh, somewhere else. Must I be a member of a local church in order to be a good Christian? Now, I could answer that question by pointing out the New Testament teachings about the early church in its infancy, and I can point out to you that the early church has revealed in the book of Acts actually had a membership role. They knew who belonged to this church and who did not belong to it. They had membership requirements in the book of Acts, if you read carefully. They not only had a, uh, 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 had, uh, had a membership role, but they counted the number of people who attended that local church. You recall when they said, and more people were being added? How did they know that more people were being added? They were very specific. They were counting the number of people who they could be identified either with a church in Jerusalem or a church in Ephesus or a church in Galatia. 
you and I, upon becoming believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, need, if we are going to maintain our zeal and passion and commitment to a local church, identify one that becomes then part of our lives. You see, if you look at uh, the instructions that we are given in the Bible as Christians, and whether you are reading First John or whether you are reading the book of Corinthians, there are very specific instructions that are given in those passages, in those books of the Bible, uh, geared towards your Christian life. If you are careful, you're going to find that some of those instructions are almost impossible to leave out if you are not part of a local church. In the book of uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we are given several things that the early church practiced. We are told that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to Come on, Raka. <laughs> to the breaking of bread. Oh, they are. You guys are cheating. You're a media person. And though I thought you were genius. <laughs> they don't do that at the city campus. They end to prayer. Let's just look at the fact that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Which apostles did they devote themselves to? I want to believe that the universal church could not have at the same time devoted themselves to a certain group of people within their local church. It simply means that their commitment or this devotion was to a particular group of people who God had chosen and placed in a particular local church, they devoted to them. So this is a local church that had uh, leaders in it of whom the members of that local church devoted themselves to. There's a passage of scripture in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 13, verse 7, uh, that says... It's a command that we are given, and it says this, obey your leaders in the church. So God sets up leaders at a local church who deserve our honor, respect, and support. Obey your leaders in the church. And then he says, submit to their authority. This is an instruction that is given to members of the church. And then it says this, these leaders, they keep watch over you as men who must give an account of themselves. So the church is a possession of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he has chosen individuals that he places in the church to provide leadership, and the instruction here is 
that we are to submit to them, we are to submit to their authority. And why should we do that? It says, they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. You see, we here at Mamlaka Hill Chapel take our pastoral ministry very uh, seriously. Uh, one of the key uh, responsibilities of the bishop of the church is to keep those of us pastors in, in, uh, uh, in, uh, to, to keep us accountable to how we are providing pastoral care to our people. Because one day Reverend Maura and I will stand before the Lord and the Lord is going to hold us accountable as to how we shepherded you. You who God has so graciously entrusted to us to provide leadership and for you to submit to our authority. We'll give an account to the owner of the body of Christ. But listen to this. Reverend uh, Lorraine here and Maora and all the rest of the pastors are not going to be accountable to the believers at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. They are going to be accountable to a certain group of people who were entrusted to them in a local setting. So God will not come to me and say, the Christians in Indonesia, Reverend Munala, because I'll tell, I'll tell God, I, I, I didn't know, I don't know those people. Uh, but I do know those people that you entrusted to me who met regularly where? At Mamlaka Hill Chapel, Ruaka. Because you can see me and I can be able to hold you accountable and feed you as we are currently doing. The Bible also talks about spiritual gifts. And it says that each believer has been given a spiritual gift for what purpose? For the purpose of edifying. The word edifying is building the body of Christ. So you can imagine if you, let's say, uh, pick up on Kavesu here, and she is uh, uh, an, ex uh, an, an extremely gifted worship leader, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, now, <laughs> she cannot use her gifts at uh, Kadigani in Machakos AIC Church at the same time as here. Because that gift has been given to her specifically for the local body of Christ that she has been placed in. You too may have a gift of prophecy, I hope. <laughs> I don't want to scare Reverend Maura here. Or you may have a gift of uh, evangelism, you may, but that gift finds its uh, um, uh, effectiveness within the confines of a local church. So as you can see, the question that you and I must, uh, should not be asking is, must I be a member of a local church in order to be a good Christian? Rather, the question that you and I should be asking is, do I need, as a Christian, to be a member of a local church? 
And I want to say that the answer to that question is yes. You and I need, not must, because must, uh, you can still be a born again Christian, in my opinion, not very effective, but if you are going to be zealous, passionate, seriously committed to the local body of Christ, it's going to be because you have identified and committed your membership to a particular visible local church, such as Mamlaka Hill Chapel, Ruaka. Are we together? Amen? Amen. Back at the city, they always say amen when we make a, a good point. So uh, when you're quiet, I'm, I'm worried whether we are together. Listen to this. Uh, I was uh, reading uh, one of these magazines. They don't do magazines now that you Google it. But uh, there is uh, one that is called the Gospel Coalition. And in the Gospel Coalition, uh, Dr. Kevin DeYoung made a very interesting statement that I thought I would pull out and help to explain what we are trying to talk about today. Listen to what Kevin DeYoung said regarding church membership. He said, church membership in a local church is about making a decision and sticking with it. Then he said something our generation with all the choices before us find it difficult to make. He says, we prefer has in a dating relationship to date the church. Have her around for special events such as child dedication, VBS, and the lists, he gives quite a lot of lists, I don't have time for that. Then he says, take her out when life feels lonely and keep her around for a rainy day. Listen to how he concluded his article. He concludes by saying, membership at a local church is one way to stop dating churches and marrying one. I thought that that was very interesting. You see, one of the old but very lethal weapons and strategies of the devil is to isolate Christians from the rest of the believers. And he does that effectively by causing us not to commit ourselves to a local body of Christ where we are known, where we can be held accountable, where we can be supported, where we can be prayed for, and where we can exercise our spiritual gifts. He has done this uh, over the years. And uh, once he succeeds, in isolating you, that is making you not join a church, making you not serve in the church, making you uh, take the church for granted, then he begins to bombard you and I with all kinds of temptations, whether it is in our personal lives or whether, uh, whether it's in our single personal lives or whether has, has a family. And it won't be long when a person who is not 
in the confines and protection of a local church to find that such a Christian begins to lose their passion for the church and eventually lose their walk with the Lord. When I was growing up uh, as a young believer, we used to have a term, and I, I can see some of the older people here who can recall that. You recall the term backsliding. Yeah, we don't use that term anymore. Do we use that term? In, do you use it in the youth? No, the, the, the youth might ask, what's that? Is that get, coming from a hill down just, or falling from the backside <laughs> of your body? Backsliding was a term that we used for a person who we knew was so active for Jesus, and who for some reason uh, stopped coming to church and eventually would probably meet them in, this, in the street smoking uh, sportsman. This is called the cigarette sportsman or SM. And then would say of that person, oh my goodness, he backslid or she backslid because she was seen going to discotheque around Koinange Street. They had backslidden. But uh, you know, one of the signs uh, of a young man or a young woman backsliding was when they stopped coming to the fellowship of fellow believers. When they stopped coming to church, we don't see them, we don't see them, and after a short period of time, their walk with the Lord will be gone. Because they, Satan in his ability removed them from the warmth of fellow believers. They no longer attended real group where they could be held accountable of how they live their lives or to be prayed for or just to have a company of believers. They were all by themselves. In the end, they did what we used to call they backslid. They backslid. Now, whereas the work of the devil is to isolate you from the rest of the believers or to take you to places where nobody knows you in the church. I mean, you can't sit right at the back and, you know, you're not doing wrong, you're not doing anything bad, but so you, so you can't be able to connect with what the people in Acts were doing, which was connecting, and, share, and we'll probably talk a little bit about this next week, our responsibilities once we are in a local body of Christ. Uh, the work of the Holy Spirit is to do what I call to assimilate you into the body of Christ. The devil isolates you. The Holy Spirit of God assimilates you. Now, the word assimilation is a very important word in the Christian life. I don't know if, if, if you know that. So, when I was preparing, uh, Reverend Moura, I decided to go to Webster Dictionary. You recall Webster Dictionary? Some of you do not know Webster Dictionary. You probably know Google. But uh, for uh, Elder Kibadi here and I, when we were growing up, we knew a dictionary. Webster, you still keep those dictionaries, uh, uh, Kibadi, here. <laughs> do you keep them in books or uh, in your... But, but anyway, so I decided to go to Webster Dictionary to find out the word... Uh, assimilation and what it means. Listen to what Webster uh, told me. He says that assimilation is the incorporation or conversion 
of nutrients into protoplasm that in animals follows digestion and absorption, and in higher plants involves both photosynthesis and root absorption. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> if you don't understand it, don't worry. I too wondered, what is all that about? In fact, I saw the word uh, photosynthesis, and it took me back to days when I was struggling in, those, uh, uh, in, in my uh, uh, primary school. Perhaps only uh, uh, Professor Duo is not here, and some big minds can be able to help us to understand what uh, Webster is talking about. So I left Webster Dictionary disappointed. And yet, at the same time, I knew this word assimilation is a very important word when it comes to whole, the whole issue of us talking about the local church. So anyway, I decided that I too, God has given me some little brains to figure these things out. So I thought, if I'm going to explain to my fellow brothers and sisters what assimilation is, let me try and break it down. So this is the way that I look at assimilation. Assimilation, imagine with me, a sponge. You remember sponge? Anybody remember the sponge that we used to? Yeah. So imagine a sponge and a little bit of water. You take that little bit of water and you pour it into this very dry sponge. What happens? The water is absorbed, isn't it? People at the back there, the water is absorbed in the sponge, isn't it? We're together. So when I thought about that, I thought uh, that comes close to what I want people to understand about uh, assimilation. So then I came up with this definition of assimilation that I think is better than the one from Webster. <laughs> assimilation is the process of being absorbed as a Christian into the life and function of the local church has an active participant and not a distant spectator. An active participation that will lead the Christian to relate with, work with, and care for other Christians and work with them as Christians to build a local body of Christ in which they have been placed. Is that much simpler? How do you and I know that we have been assimilated? We accept the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit takes us and places us into the universal body of Christ, the church worldwide. And while we are in our, in, our, 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 our youthfulness as, 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 as Christians, he takes us as we pray and identify a local church, and then he places us into that local body of Christ. But he just doesn't place us into that local body of Christ so that then we sit and not be involved in the life and function and growth of that local church. He actually takes us and he gifts us, he gives us a spiritual gifting. And with that spiritual gifting, we are then to use it 
to ensure that Mamlaka Hill Chapel Ruaka grows into the way that God designed it to grow? How do you know that you have been assimilated into the body of Christ? Let's say, for example, you came on a Sunday. You are very excited. You've just discovered Mamlaka Hill Chapel. You've been going here now the last two years or maybe three years. And uh, being a good attender of Mamlaka Hill Chapel, Ruaka, you decided to invite a few people to your church. Maybe they were visiting from uh, Meru or they were visiting from... Okay, I'm always too close. They were <laughs> visiting from some far place. So you come to the church, and after the service, you, desi- you decide that you are going to take them around this campus, this beautiful campus, to show them around, because you are very happy with this church. So you say, uh, you, you, uh, uh, you first of all, definitely you take them to the restaurant there, okay? Uh, some of you don't know there's a restaurant, there's a restaurant there, beautiful restaurant, don't go home before you grab something there. They'll just charge you a few shillings, man. <laughs> so you, you take them to the restaurant, and uh, you say, this is uh, part of their restaurant. This is where their people go to eat after the service. Isn't that wonderful? This is just a wonderful church. They actually have a restaurant. Then you take them round maybe to other places on this compound, and you show them around. Finally, this is the climax of it. You take them to where the tent is being constructed. And you say to them, now this is where they are going to be putting the tent. This is where they are going to be worshiping. You wouldn't believe this tent is coming from China. They have ordered this tent from uh, China. You wouldn't believe. They've actually taken a huge, they have taken a huge loan. Ah, but don't worry. These people, these people are wealthy. You should see the kind of cars they park in the parking lot there. In a short period of time, they will have cleared that loan. Now, I want you to compare that with someone else who invites a group of people in this local church, and after the service, he says to them, we are not going to go to CJ's. I want, you to, I want to take you to our restaurant. I want to show you where, when we come during the week, our children uh, uh, Swim, sorry, we don't have a swimming pool, so sometimes that doesn't come quickly. <laughs> uh, where our children swim. And then, has a climax, takes them to where the tent is being erected and says, now, this is where we are going to be worshiping. This is where we are going to be hearing God's word. This is where we are going to, uh, to be worshiping the Lord. Let me tell you, My friends, we have ordered for a tent from China. And currently, we, because we didn't have all the resources to put together and pay, we have decided to take a loan. We, and listen, we have 
having a great campaign where we are raising funds to ensure that we will complete this loan in a very short period of time so that we can worship in freedom without having to worry about any bank coming in, uh, to choke our necks. You see the difference? The difference is that the first person who is talking about they has not been assimilated into the body of the local church known as Mamlaka Hill Chapel. But the one who uses the term we understands that they are part of this local body of Christ, the life, the function, everything that happens in this body of Christ is also part of their commitment, is part of what God is holding them accountable to. You see, we celebrate the way that, uh, as uh, Reverend Mora said earlier, the number of people that have been added on to this congregation. And we are very excited. We are looking forward to this church growing leaps and bounds because people are coming from the world and coming to Christ and being uh, edified in this body of Christ. But I would say that one of our biggest needs currently is to get as many of you assimilated into this body of Christ called Mamlaka Hill Chapel, Ruaka. Perhaps you've been coming to this church for the last couple of months or, or maybe years, and you love this church. You can be able to say, this is a wonderful church as far as uh, teachings are concerned. We are taught the word of God. You can say, I love this church because of the worship experience that I get from this church. The music is out of this world. Maybe you can say that I love Mamlaka Hill Chapel because of the structure. Uh, I love the bishop of this church. Uh, I love the pastors, and I love just the way that they uh, handle church, uh, pastoral care. They handle all these things that pertain to church. I am very excited about all those kind of things. But probably you could say, but you know, I am not ready for this thing we call committing myself to membership at a local church. This morning, I want to say to all of us that in order for you to maintain the passion, in order for you to maintain the zeal, in order for you to love the church of Jesus Christ, you need to identify and commit your membership to a particular local body of Christ. And because God has brought you here and you've been coming here more than two weeks, I have a feeling that this is the place. I believe that uh, uh, Reverend Madenge, at the beginning of the year, you are going to make an announcement. And the announcement will be that we want as many of you to come to our membership classes, the condition being that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, and you are consistently working with him. And in this class, you'll be taught what membership is and how that impacts you as far as Mamlaka Hill Chapel Ruaka is concerned. My prayer is that you will have many of you sign up to come to these membership classes. And that when we have the induction, unfortunately we are going to be, I believe we are going to be in the big tent at the time here, yeah, so there will be space. 
that many of you will be able to say, I have identified and I'm committing myself to become a functioning, active member of Mamlaka Hill Chapel, Ruaka. May the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, and may his face continue to shine upon you. Thank you.